The Old Testament idea of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth doesn't really hold up very well, does it? It seems to have created as many problems as it solved. And yet, there it is. So much so that Jesus felt like he needed to address it when he started talking about the effect of vengeance and how it is that he was introducing a higher law. So how did the anti-Nephi-Lehi's take a look at this idea of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth? And if you can't do vengeance, then what are you left with? How do you, how exactly does forgiveness work as a remedy for vengeance and an eye for an eye? Interesting class today. Glad you're along for the ride. And welcome to another Monday morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasures found within his pages. And now, on to the class. That? Good. We will go ahead and get going here. Um, for, uh, for my microphone, I actually figured out that... Um, if I, if I put the microphone jack into the earpiece, then I end up recording out of my back pocket. <laughs> if I put the jack in the earpiece, then it's amazing. Then you hear out of the microphone. Because we, we had a wonderful class last week, and when I went back to listen to it, it was more like... <laughs> the sound out of my back pocket is not really good, so... <laughs> So I had to turn around and rec- record like uh, an abbreviated version of the, the class. So hopefully we got it right uh, this time. All right. Well, good. Well, this ought, this ought to be kind of uh, fun today. Uh, I got looking at... Uh, sometimes we just read the stories in the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and sometimes we take the humanness out of that. Uh, and guys, there's some real... Pathos happening here when we talk about the anti-Nephi-Lehi's and the slaughter and the, their sacrifice and how they would have responded. Um, and it is interesting that, that when you go back, uh, Mormon wants us to know that these were people that believed in the law of Moses but understood it in the context of the, of the coming Christ. So they are a unique group of people, the Nephites in you know, in 100 B.C. that are mixing the two in a beautiful way um, and, and trying to understand it. But part of that then, um, I, wanted, I wanted to, um, first of all, take a look at uh, this, the coming out of the Law of Moses. Uh, and that was this idea of an eye for an eye. Okay, and if we if if we go to the where this was, uh, let's see. Well, I'm hold on. I'm going to go back here. I'm going to go back to. 
which is really an interesting concept, isn't it? The idea of an eye for an eye. That means that if somehow, but it, it, it works. It works financially. If you've taken twenty dollars from me, and somehow justice would be then what? We're going to turn. We're going to find a way. What amount? <laughs> we're going to find a way to get the $20 back and now I'm compensated. Now, In other words, we're trying to get things to the equal. So I, I had $20, you stole $20, we got $20 from back, I'm now recovered. We're same. Okay. Now, this gets harder when we get outside of anything financial. So, so now let me take the same deal. Uh, through your negligence, I lost an eye. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, yeah, okay. So now, if we're going to somehow get things to the equal, somehow, what do we need to do here? So, somehow, we are okay. I, I lost an eye, so you lost an eye. So, but that's not compensatory. That's retributive. Yeah. But the, well, I'm trying to I'm trying to compensate though he's trying to compensate me, but it ends up being rebutive, right? In in other words, somehow if if I'm if 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 you've taken an eye now I've I need to then remove that eye from you now it now it's just gone hurt for hurt. <laughs> okay, you've you've hurt me now I've hurt you so we're equal. It doesn't translate really well, does it? <laughs> because, because, let's say, even if that, even if that were the case, somehow we were able. I lost an eye, so somehow we were able to pluck out his eye, and we plug it into mine, and it start and it works. Well, that's compensatory. Yeah, is that going to work? Is is everything now back to normal? A, he doesn't have an eye. What about me? You may not like your new eye. I might not. (laughs) It might be the wrong color. I've also gone through the pain and suffering and trauma of losing an eye. And having two operations, right? Take that, put back in. So am I really back equal? No, I've got I've got past trauma that I'm having to somehow deal with. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that when we when we hear from um, and sometimes you'll see it in uh, people that have lost a, a relative uh, as killed and then they identify the killer and then then they go down to Huntsville and they're going to be executed on such and such a day and so the family then travels down to see the the person that killed their relative put to death okay and as they watch he gets a an injection and now he's dead Okay, and so then the press is always going to run up and go, "How do you feel now?" <laughs> and have have you ever heard any of those where they go, "I feel much better now. Things are great." I've never heard an interview anyway. Oh yeah, I, I've seen I've seen a few of these interviews. And what would you guess the response usually is? Well, there's two responses. One is they think justice has been served. Yeah, okay. I, I suppose justice has been served. And, and so, yeah, and then the other one is that this uh, capital punishment is a horrible thing. Yeah, but, the, but they'll also add one more. 
he's still dead. <laughs> Even though you killed this guy, we still don't have our relative back. We're still missing here. I, you know, in other words, yes, justice was served, and they may or not believe capital punishment. I've seen it both ways. But on top of that, were they compensated? Has that loss been restored? No. There's the problem. A lot of people I've seen that have lost someone, it's not so much getting compensated for their loss, but stopping yeah. it in the future, stopping other people from having the same kind of loss they have. Well, yeah. Now, sometimes what we'll do in that effort to say... I'm still not back to normal before their death. But now what, now what can I do? Well, we can campaign for, you know, think about mothers against drunk drivers or something like that. We're going <coughs> to try and somehow compensate by the loss I feel by doing something in the future that prevents more of these needless deaths. Or put them in prison or, you know... Not so much the death penalty, but keep him, if he cannot be rehabilitated, Right. make sure that he is kept away so he can't do that to someone else. Right. And so I'm going to now, so that's kind of how I'm compensating for the fact that I still don't have my loved one back. And I want to make sure that other people in the future don't have to go through the pain that I went through. So that feels a little bit better. But I still don't have my loved one back. <laughs> in, in, a, in other words, this, this idea, uh, and then it, it kind of gets worse then. Because now if, if the idea is, I got hurt, so I need to hurt somebody else, and somehow that will equal it. You know, um, uh, you know I'm watching, watching my little guys growing up, you know, and it's like, one would punch one in the sh- in the arm. They played what they called s- stupid games. Okay, <laughs> okay. Look, you punch me. <laughs> Ow. Okay. Now I'm going to punch you. Ow. And then they go. Okay, we feel better. <laughs> Does it work that way? I punch you. Then you punch me. Then what? I'm going to punch back. <laughs> yeah, it, well, you know, when we're doing this kind of an, an eye for the... I think it never... Does this ever work for like the Israelis and the Palestinians? <laughs> I'll launch a missile. So what are we going to do? We'll launch a missile. Okay, I guess we're equal. No, you landed a missile on me. Well, you fired first. Uh, no, but that was bigger. Or I'm going to fire one back. The problem with... With the eye for the eye thing, is that it never restores stuff. It just simply it makes it worse. Hurt for hurt. Somehow the idea that you hurt me, so I have to hurt you. Now two wrongs don't make a right. You know. Uh, so this this idea then that goes back. And by the way, this is we still continue to struggle with this. Uh, even in modern times, where we're going, we're saying okay. Before we sentence this guy to prison, we're going to bring in the family so they can describe how big their hurt was. We were really hurt. We lost them. We loved our relative. He's now dead. Judge, here's what happened to us and how, here's how we're traumatized by the loss of our father, whatever. And then what is the judge supposed to do? 
Well, you're supposed to take that into account. But, so this is the same kind of a thing as what a surgeon does uh, when you've got a broken arm. They set your arm. That's called a reduction. It's not called a correction. Yeah. It's called a reduction. We reduce. And so the purpose for that is for the family to mitigate the family's right. emotional trauma. Sure. And it, it, it's recognized that it doesn't resolve their no. emotional trauma. That's right. We can't resolve it. No, we can't. But we're going to try to mitigate it. Yeah. Somehow, some way that this will give them some measure of. You know, I've got, I've got clients of mine for whom they were traumatized at some point, and then some of my, my payments for my fees come out of the victim compensation fund. The, the state is trying to say, we're going to somehow, in order for them to heal, we're going to, we're going to be providing money that will, will provide counseling, so hopefully they will be <coughs> compensated, and there will be healing, Except for the fact that is there, when we go through trauma, does it ever completely heal? No, it doesn't. Okay? But you can get where you're unstuck and move on. Yeah, well, and, and that, that's, that's what I want to talk about a little bit, because we're going to see that with the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. But I do find it really interesting that uh, when, so, so this idea of hurt for hurt, I get hurt, so I got to hurt you, and then you're going to hurt me, and then, or I got to find the right amount of hurt that I'm going to inflict upon you, because that somehow is going to be, because uh, it's coming out of Leviticus. Um, but then Jesus comes along, and certainly this is a this is a yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just sitting here being a little perplexed. Father and and Jehovah. Hold on to that. Hold hold on to that. Why would he institute something uh, hold, hold, where he knows it doesn't going to work? Hold on to that. I, I know. It doesn't work. Oh, oh, you mean why would he institute it with Moses? Right. Ah. I mean, ah. There could have been some level of none of this stuff, so that when Christ is going to present the total opposite of that. I'm just sitting here going, Ugh. I never thought of this way. Why would he even tell him that? Well, see, here it is in Leviticus. And he that killeth a beast shall make it good, beast for beast. Okay, you killed my lamb, so I owe you a lamb. And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, that eyeball thing, <laughs> okay, as he hath done, so it shall be done to him. Okay, so, so, so in, the, in the words of Tevye, great, now all the world is blind and toothless. <laughs> breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Okay, so it shall be done to him again. Why would he institute that? I think that's a great question. Yeah. So we, in the gospel, we have this precept called line upon line, precept upon precept. Yeah. And so when you're dealing with somebody who is, who is living a, a celestial law, you don't give them the celestial law. You give them a better celestial law and a better one, and then you give them a terrestrial law, and you just keep building on it. Until they get to a so, so you're thinking that this was like a telestial, not, not quite so good. That, that that's the law of retribution. That's a it is. law. It is the law of justice is a terrestrial law. 
big time. The law of merciful justice is a celestial law. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how uh, the rabbis look at this. There is an idea, because uh, I, I, I had the, some of the same questions. And one way of looking at it doesn't necessarily resolve, but I can tell you how some Jewish groups look at it. They look at the fact that if a law is given and it, and it can't be applied universally, then you're looking at it maybe in the wrong way. They wonder, and they and this is the sages have suggested. Uh, this is how you get the Torah and the Mishnah, these these uh, these traditions. Okay, is that it's actually uh, an appeal to equality because then it's saying the eye of a rich man is as good as the eye of a poor man. The eye of a man is as good as an eye of a woman, and so somehow there's some equality here. Uh, I think that's that's kind of a stretch, but still. Um, the other possibility that I'd throw in here is, and, and a lot of the biblical scholars that I've been studying to would suggest that a lot of this was written in Babylon. <laughs> what were the original texts were there, we don't know, but because it has a Babylonian style to it, they're wondering if, if the, the scribes who wrote this in Babylon after the temple had been destroyed were still ticked off. <laughs> they were still upset, yeah. What, what, what you say things are saying is that no matter who you are, no matter your social status, your wealth, or whatever, you're going to get the same punishment. Yes. Yes. So at their, at the equality, that it should be applied equally, whether whether you're a king or whether you're a you servant. Can't abuse, you can't go if you have lots of money and you can't abuse your servants because right. they have the same rights you do. Absolutely. Now, how, how, and which, again, there's some salience to that. Now, the way that Jesus is going to approach this suggests that maybe they were more literal by the time we got to the first century. <laughs> because he really is going to take it at its surface that says it really does mean an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Okay? So, here, here's Jesus going to take, his take on this is going to be, now, you have heard it, that it hath been said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Um, by the way, anybody know where, where, that, where he's quoting from? It sort of is Leviticus, but he's going he's gonna to say this again in 44. Uh, you have heard it said, love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Okay, Try and find that one in Leviticus. It's not there. You know where that's from? Qumran. That's out of the, that's right out of the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's uh, that, that, that's the community uh, community scroll one. It, the Dead Sea Scrolls that came out of the the Essenes. The, uh, when when uh, when we go down to Israel and we go into Qumran where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, and they had all these copies of Isaiah. It was like a big printing. It was a, a retreat center, but it was also a place uh, where they would copy off scrolls and then give them to the Essene communities that were living out in the desert. So, Kevin, you just said Quran, and I think you meant Qumran. Did I say Quran? Yes, yeah. that was really good. Well, that would make that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Muslims okay. with the Quran was... Uh, <laughs> that would explain the confusion. Okay, hold on. <laughs> This comes out of the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran. <laughs> uh, 
where they where they were building these scrolls. And th- remember, the people in Qumran near Masada were really hoping that Jerusalem would burn, the temple had, that had been defiled was going to be destroyed, and now so when the Romans were destroying the temple down there in Qumran, they were going, yay. <laughs> Because now uh, the, 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 the men of light are going to come and destroy the Romans. And this is our salvation day. And they were thinking that right up to the point that the Roman legions uh, marched down into Qumran and destroyed them too. <laughs> but, but this whole, but, but, but these, some of these sayings are coming out of a sense that it just means that the writings of the Essenes were known among the people and they were like remember the guy the Essenes were the ones that were like oh the Pharisees are way too liberal (laughs) way too liberal you know the Sadducees aren't even Jewish but we got the Pharisees need to become more strict okay yeah so the way that 38 is is uh, worded Mm -hmm. it sounds to me like he's not saying that you're living the law of an eye for an eye he's saying you heard it was said an eye for an eye yeah it's almost to me like he's saying you guys are living a higher law than this Mm. or you feel like you're living a more or maybe you should but but there's even more available well remember to right I think that's true. But can you see that a number of people, even among the uh, Jesus disciples, were still, you know, the Romans have done this to us, and we're waiting for that day when they get theirs. Uh, we were just we were just showing that the Hales sent us pictures from uh, they're on top of Nazareth uh, today. They in 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 Luke four, they're really ticked off when jo- when Jesus speaks in the synagogue. And he's not talking about vengeance on the Romans. So I'm here to, I'm here to pre- delivery for the captives. And he leaves out the whole day of vengeance thing. 41 is a, is a Roman law, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so he's saying, submit yourself to the Roman law and go further. Yeah, and we're going we're to talk about that one in just a sec here. Okay. So what, so what he's talking about uh, is, now you've heard it say, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Got it. All right, now. Excuse me. Uh, you can be. <laughs> it works just fine. Good to have you guys here. Uh, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say that, that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek... Turn uh, on this one. Turn to him the other. Now, this this is this is kind of this is kind of important. Uh, Mike, let me borrow you for a sec. Come stand up here. Okay, I need I need to walk you through how this works. You're not gonna take my iron. You're gonna smack. No. Okay. So here. So so here he is. Okay. Now, this this is how this works, and and because you need to see what Jesus is really doing here. Now he's saying. If I say unto you, who shall smite thee on the right cheek, okay, the right cheek is here, left cheek over here. Now, in this, in this world, if we are equals, what I'm going to do is I'm either going to smite you on the left cheek or I'm going to punch you, okay? That is on the, on the left cheek. Now, how do I hit... By the way, you're going to use your left hand? That's your dirty hand. It is the dirty hand. 
This is like your walking toilet paper. <laughs> so you don't use your left hand, okay? This is all right-handed, okay? Now, so if I'm going to strike him on his left hand, or left face, punch him right here, this is something that equals do. Now, what do I do to subordinates, slaves, people that are less than me? Backhanded. Mm. So that if I'm going if I'm going to strike you on the right cheek, what am I saying? You are less than. You are less than me. Okay. If he strikes you on the right cheek, in other words, he's putting you down. I'm better than you. Okay. Now, now that's an insult. And what's Jesus saying? <laughs> Turn. I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm forced. I'm forced to go right, which means I want. I, I'm going to stand here. I'm not running, but you're going to have to treat me like an equal. Mm. Kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So, so what he's doing is he's standing. He's standing up to you, and he's saying it's kind of an act of almost civil disobedience to say, "Treat me like an equal." And. And, and in other words, he's going to say, so you always talked about vengeance, because ultimately if, you were gonna, if I was going to strike you, one of the things you might want to do is strike me back. And he's saying, no, don't strike him back. What do you do? I'm going to stand to you as an equal. You're going to have to treat me as an equal. I'm not going away. But I'm also not fighting back. Hmm. Oh. Okay. Um, now, if a man sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, give him your cloak also. Okay. You got my outer cloak? Okay, take that. I'm going to give you my coat as well. My, now I'm down to my underwear. <laughs> but I'm not going away. <laughs> I'm going to embarrass you by stand. I'm not leaving. Okay? And he's going to say, okay, if, if the Romans compel you to go a mile... Go with them too. The first mile was on you. The second one is a choice that I make. I'm not giving up my freedom. Treat me like an equal. But I'm not fighting back. So this is, that's why he's putting these things in the context of an eye for an eye. Because you're going to see in some, in some measure, let me show you what a real equal is. An equal is, you're treating me badly, but what am I going to do? I'm going to stand up to you. Or I'm, I, but I'm going to do it as my choice, my agency. I'm still, I'm still in control of me. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of cool, right? Okay. Well, or or slaughtered by the Lamanites. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, but but now but now Jesus is going to up the ante. So if we're trying to take out the idea of a hurt for a hurt, that if I'm hurt, I have to hurt you, which then means you then hurt me, which means then I hurt you. And he's trying to say, I'm trying to remove the vengeance stuff. <laughs> vengeance is not what we do. You're ha- you've experienced a loss. How do you handle it? Well, he's going to say, but I say unto you, punch your enemies back. No. Uh, hate your enemies? No, that's the Essenes. In Qumran. 
<laughs> you can say, no, I need you to love your enemies. Uh, what does that mean? Let me take it farther than that. He, said, he like drives this thing all the way in, right? Bless them that curse you. Ooh, well, they curse me, I should curse them. That's vengeance. <laughs> you know? Think about think about section one twenty one where 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 Joseph is after four months in Liberty Jail he just thought oh God where art thou where's the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place what's he asking for in section one twenty one fry these guys <laughs> get them <laughs> please and the Lord says no vengeance is mine your job is to forgive seventy times seven. Mm-hmm. I can't. This is for our for our mortal selves. This is as hard a thing as we can we can do, right? So love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Oh, I've got people that hate me. What should I do? Do good to them. Yeah, but it's just not as satisfying. <laughs> okay, and pray for them that despitefully use you. Now, the thing about despitefully is, if you think about it, it's saying with, with pure malice and intent and a plan, I'm going to misuse you. I thought about it, I decided I would do this, and I'm going to hurt you. And I did it. And he said, those that despitefully use you and persecute you, you're supposed to love. No vengeance, no revenge, no eye for an eye. Then he adds this little caveat. Pray for them to spitefully use you. That, meaning what? So that, you're going to do all of this, why? So that, you can what? Be children of the Father is in heaven. Because, by the way, those people you want to wreak havoc on, you want to revenge on, you want to exchange hurt for hurt, they took my eyeball, I want their eyeball. (laughs) What about those guys? Well, guess what? The Father makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good. Bad people should not be prosperous. They're doing bad things. They shouldn't get away with it and they shouldn't get rich and they shouldn't have happy lives because they're bad people. And good people should have good stuff happen to them and not bad stuff. Okay, And he's saying, but look at what your father does. He makes it rain. The bad people's crops grow as well as the good people's crops. You're wanting them to wilt. <laughs> they done me bad. Okay? What about those, all those people that are saying bad stuff about the church? Don't we? Anybody ever read the book? You ever see the book that is no longer in print? <laughs> he did. 
persecutors of the prophet Joseph Smith. I still have a copy. <laughs> you still have that one? <laughs> what, what was the main premise of persecutors of the prophet Joseph Smith? Well, they got their just. They got their just, right? A lot of fake information there. There was. But it had to be written in such a way that says, Joseph was the prophet, these guys did bad stuff to him, and they got theirs. And so you read it and go, they did stuff to, bad stuff happened to them, so I can now be at rest. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, no, hey, look, the sun rises on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain, which could be good, right? We look at it as like a storm, that's bad. No, rain, that, in that area, rain's a really good thing. On the just and the unjust, they, their crops grow great because they got the same rain you did. I don't think he says that they all get the same. He says they all get the same kind of stuff. But when we when we pray for our crops and things like mm-hmm. that, we actually anticipate that God will bless us more than He would have if, if we didn't. didn't. Right. But it, but again, if we take that too far, then we say, and He won't. He's going to bless me more because I've been good. And he won't for those who haven't been good. And you say, well, they got the same rain, the same sun. In other words, and then he's going to say again to Joseph Smith, if there's any vengeance to be had here, it's mine. Your job is to forgive. I will execute what needs to happen to them in the, in the future. Okay? Yeah? Do you think that um, there's any kind of hierarchy in the way, like in that verse, uh, what is that, 44? Do you think that there's any kind of hierarchy in the way that he's, um, this is written? What, what I mean by that is... Bless um, them that curse you, do good. Like, like, are all of those things interchangeable? Like every one of those? Like, could you say... Like, pray for them that curse you. Enemies. Could you also say, pray for your enemies? Would you also say, you know, um, what was the other one that he has there? Uh, bless your enemies, right? Like, do, the, do all those three things apply to all of those circumstances, or is there some kind of message here that's a little bit more nuanced? That's like, um, boy, that's a that's a really on what the, the, you know, like a hierarchy. Of, well, if if you'll know, I, I well, well, thank you for that. I didn't look at that, but as I'm quickly looking at that, I, there is does seem to be a hierarchy, doesn't there? And it's not so much on bless curse and pray it seems to be on curse you, hate you persecute you uh-huh. that seems to be increasing in they may sit in their house and curse you but one step more would be that they actively hate you and talk to people about you but it certainly is one more step if they're going to despitefully use you and then come out of their house and persecute right. you. So it, it does seem to be ratcheting up, doesn't it? Cause I, I'd, I'd never looked at that. That's, I, that's cool. I um, cause the, one of the, I'll tell you what made me start to look at that that way. It's when I was reading that and it said to love your enemies. I started thinking, like, well, what is in, in this, right, the context of this, who is your enemy? What yeah. is your enemy, right? Yeah. Is your enemy every person or entity that could do some kind of malice against you? And, I, and, I, and that was what kind of led me to look at the rest of it and say, well, I don't know if that's... Yeah, because see, in the immediate sense, in the first century... Their enemies would have been, I mean, if you're Pharisees, it's kind of Sadducees, but for everybody it's the Romans. 
you know, the, those, and but we're supposed to somehow be loving them. Uh, but, but that's interesting. But the challenge is ultimately, at whatever level, if we're going to be children of the Father in heaven, then we're going to have to be able to do this and not return hurt for hurt. Ooh, yeah. I hope this isn't too big of a digression. <laughs> if it is, we'll just digress back. <laughs> Thank you. So this, when, when you're hitting a baseball, you have to watch the ball. Yeah. You have to swing the bat level. You, have, you, know, you step into it, get your weight behind it, and you, and you learn these things, and you practice them, and you do them over your head. You can't sort this out when the fastball's coming toward you. Yeah. Now what and am I swinging. doing? Duck, right? Yeah. This is the same thing. I mean, when I picture in my mind somebody slapping me in the face, you know, I picture, okay, step left, Right hook to the face, take the knee, <laughs> yeah. take the person down to the ground. Right? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm pre- in a defensive posture, then I will that's do that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All these things are the result of my sorted past, right? And yeah, now, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to behave like this, we have to have already made this decision. We have to rehearse in our head. What, our what would I do if? Right. And I'm a long ways from that. I mean, I'm, I'm an old, fat, 65-year-old guy, right? But in my brain, I'm 24. And, and that... You need to explain that to your body. <laughs> we can't do now what we used to. You have to learn how you're going to react in all kinds of situations. And, 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 a, and a plan for it ahead of time. That's right, because that's not how I would react. No. I might regret it, depending on who smacked me. Right, but that's not, you know... I know, it's, I know. We, we, we react, and then we spend most of our time having to go back. That's what apologies are for. Yeah. And asking for forgiveness is for, because we're having to go back and do what... We responded instinctively as right. natural men and women, but then we have to go back and go... I'm sorry I broke your nose after This you. is one of those times. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I think... Already making the decision might be a, a good step that direction, but when I do things that I shouldn't have done, yeah. I regret it either immediately or, or soon. Yeah. And I, I recognize other ways I could have dealt with the situation, um, but that's after the fact. Yeah. So I don't think this is about making those decisions. I think this is about becoming that person yeah. that, that would naturally respond in the proper way. Boy, I think, and, and that's why, and so, so then as he's going down here, if you think about all of this, the, the verse that has given people nightmares for centuries comes right at the end of this discussion, which is what? 48. Be, therefore... Perfect, and then and uh, and ultimately, what you're going to say, my, your Father in heaven is perfect. He's doing this, and this is nice, nice contract. And we don't, <laughs> we don't instinctively. We're trying. We make decisions, and then and we sort of did it. And I think as we get older, we get maybe, hopefully, we get better at this. So, what is the word therefore? Because you can read that like 48 is a separate uh, verse. Yeah, and saying do all this stuff, and then, and then he's saying in addition to that. But I think therefore means if you do all the stuff above, then 
to your understanding, you can be perfect life. Yeah, well, right. And in fact, in, in uh, the, the Hebrew phrase on that actually is you will, you will become. The, the, this is the process by which you become perfect like your Father in Heaven is. is. Well, it's not like dumping a whole new man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if you don't want to start this chain of events, right. do your best not to be someone who despitefully uses anybody. Yeah. And sometimes people get upset with you and you have a clue that you did anything wrong. Yeah. And also, all these things... Um, if you try to live a life, a more celestial law, do your best not to start these kinds of things. And if, you know, you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, I think that is a, there's another side of this. So just, it almost, instead of being someone who is acted upon, make yes, sure that you right. don't act, you act upon anybody. Yeah, that's why I like the idea of saying, if, I, if my decision is if somebody's going to despitefully use me, they're going to they're going to punch me. Now I was acted upon, and then if I'm just going to react, I'm reacting out of rage. But if I have made a determination to be treated like an equal, I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm not going away, but I, I, I demand to be ret- uh, respected. I mean, that's, that's a change over time. That I'm going to care about you enough to... I'm not going away. We're going to deal with this. Um, now, I think I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit. Uh, so, so with that kind of in our toolbox, now, now let's go to the Book of Mormon. Now we get the anti-Nephi-Lehi's to, who do a very weird thing. <laughs> very strange thing. You know, they accept the gospel, then the Lamanites are going to show up, and they're, they're making for war, and here they come. And so the, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's decide to do what? They're going to bury their swords and... Prostrate and prostrate themselves. Wow, that's I mean that that's almost unfathomable, right? Um, by the way, on, I, I do find it interesting. I'll just drop this in here. Um, when the the anti in, in the land of Ishmael, the first contact that we have between the sons of Mosiah and the Lamanites is. Ammon, and he runs into who? King Lamoni. Yeah, King Lamoni. Okay. Now, ultimately, when they are going to come into the land of Nephi, uh, into the land of Zarahemla, when is the, when is the next time you hear about King Lamoni? When's the next time you hear after after these things get rolling, especially after this, the slaughter of the innocents here? When's the next time you hear about King Lamoni? We don't. You don't. Any guesses as to why? He was. Where would King Lamoni have been as the Lamanites were coming towards him? He might have been right at the front. In fact, I would think he'd be at the front because there was a chance that he might have known the leaders over there. And we have a shot if I would go out to the front and prostrate myself. And so my, my belief is, is that Lamoni might have been the first one down. Okay, that he paid for it with his life. Maybe even King Anti-Nephi-Lehi, his brother, 
who took over the king might have, because you don't hear about him much either. There is a king, but he's not identified. So I think that's the ultimate sacrifice for the for these guys. Okay. Uh, now, so so that so there's a long story here then of um, that, this, that this destruction. We go up here to Alma 25. So, so what happens at that destruction? They're killing all of these Lamanites. They're, it says there are over a thousand of them that are anti-Nephi-Lehi's that die. Uh, by the way, I think it's their kids that become the 2,000 stripling warriors. If you look at the math of that, that or at least a lot of the 2,000 stripling warriors could have had parents that perished in there. And we do not doubt that our mothers knew it. They paid for it with their life, maybe. I don't know. But, um, so the, the, the destruction happens. And then uh, some of the Lamanites then repent and they join them and some of them are actually killed. But then what happens to the other Lamanites who are then tired of slaughtering each other? What do they do? Now they're, they're 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 still filled with this anger and this this still rage, oh, right? Go kill city. Yes, we got to take it out on when you're filled with anger. That's the problem with eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If you're if you're still carrying that bitterness and anger, you got to do something with it. It's going to go somewhere, and it did. In this case, verse one, it came to pass the Lamanites were more angry. They'd slain their brethren. They swore what? Vengeance. You know what? Who made these guys do this? Uh, it's the Nephites. Let's find who's to blame and we'll go get them. <laughs> the funny thing is, who are they going to take it out on? Ammonihah. Who had done what to the innocents? <laughs> Same, thing. <laughs> Same thing. Okay? And, and I imagine through all of that, the, the people in Ammonihah are going, What? <laughs> what did we do? Well, you, you know, you, okay, there's some real irony here. But they're going to take that anger, and that's part of what happens with the eye for an eye, is that it never really stops. When we get into that cycle of violence, it just goes round and round, and the anger has to, you got to blame some, somebody for that, okay? Um, then ultimately, we know that when that happens, after all these battles, then the Lamanites, uh, who were slain were almost all of the uh, priests of King Noah. Uh, they're slain by the Nephites, and the remainder, having fled into the east wilderness, uh, caused that many of the Lamanites should perish from fire because of their unbelief. So we just kind of get this cycle of things going on. Okay, now, Mormon's going to drop something in here. And I want to ask you on this. Again, thinking about the idea of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth and vengeance. They go back to they remember Abinadi. Way back with King, with King Noah. And Abinadi is going to say to them as they are putting him to death, he's going to say, what, what you shall do to me shall be a type of things to come. He was the first one that suffered death because of his belief. Uh, and this is what he meant, that many should suffer death by fire according as he had suffered. Okay? 
And he said unto the priests of Noah that their seed should cause to be put to death in a like in a like manner like he was, and they should be scattered abroad and slain as sheep with no shepherd, slain by wild beasts. These words were verified. They were driven by the Lamanites, and they were hunted, and they were smitten. Okay, so here, here's my question. As he's dying, is, is Abinadi saying... If you guys do this to me, this is going to happen to them. That's that's equal. That's vengeance. Or is he simply just prophesying, careful, this is this same thing's going to happen to you? I've always thought it was the second, but it still bothers me. Which part? The fact that he was righteous and got burned by fire, and yes. all these other good people who were righteous got burned by fire. <laughs> and how's that any comfort? Boy, hold on to that because that that is that is because it because it wasn't was it? Uh-huh. You know, for for people that loved King Abinadi. Could they sit at home, you know, maybe people that loved Abinadi, well, and say, well, at least the priest of Noah got flamed as well. Hurt for hurt, pain for made, and now I feel better over the loss of Abinadi. There's still no comfort. And, that, and that, that's, I guess that's where I'm going with this, guys. There's no, there's no comfort in this, in the eye for an eye. Or in be, there's no comfort in vengeance. But at some point, there's an opportunity to learn that there's no comfort in vengeance. Yeah. And, and to incorporate into your own uh, the desires of your heart to avoid those kind of things. Yeah. So I think it's a learning experience, not only for them, but for us, and not just for us, but these people haven't been resurrected, most of them yet, and, mm-hmm. and they're still learning. Yeah. And uh, I think they get to learn from their experiences. I think they do. There's never an end to it. No, there, there's, there's not, is it? It's never, it's never going to be enough. But, but there's still this mindset. Let me give you one other thing where I think that mindset kicks in. Okay? Uh, uh, it's 27. Here it is. Okay. Now, and then, and then I'll, we'll kind of put a button on this with where I think the lesson here is. Okay? Now, again... This keeps happening. They get stirred up. The Lamanites get stirred up again. They're going to come again against the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. Chapter 27. Now this people again refused to take up their arms and they suffered themselves to be slain. We talk about the anti-Nephi-Lehi's being slain. We don't know that it... If you read carefully, it happened multiple times. It didn't just happen once. It happened again. We don't have as much detail, but it happened again. This people refused again to take up their arms. They suffered to be slain. And Ammon at this point, and again, there's no mention of Lamoni or King Anti-Nephi-Lehi. I mean, it's just, now it's back on Ammon. I think the leaders have been killed off in, some, in these slaughters. And he's going, you know, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, that's right, let's take him, let's take him to Zarahemla. Now, the king at this time then, think about... Think about this law of recompense, uh, compensatory. What's he going to say? Well, you know what? If the Lord saith we shall go, we'll go. But the way that we'll pay for this is we will be slaves until we repair unto them the many murders and sins that we have committed. (laughs) 
Okay, now, how do you balance that? Let's see, we have the murders and, and atrocities that we committed among the Nephites. How many years would they have to be slaves to pay that off? Better get it in writing. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to. Let's see. Each life is worth. It's why it's why when they're looking at reparations these days for slavery, they're going, well, maybe it should be like a thousand, no, uh, a million, no, ten million, no. Um, it should be a trillion dollars. It should be, you know, try to put a dollar amount on suffering. Rots a ruck. <laughs> And these guys are going, well, we're going to be slaves until we repair unto them the murders. Can that happen? No. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, but I love how Ammon responds. And he's going to teach him, he's going to teach him a beautiful lesson. Ammon said, and this is actually a specious argument. You know, It's against the law of our brethren that there shouldn't be any slaves. It's not about slavery. <laughs> it's not about slavery. It's about we're going to pay for our, our sins. We're going to pay for the bad stuff we did. We will somehow try to recompense an eye for an eye. And the real message of this verse happens next. No, we know there shouldn't be any slaves. Therefore, let us go down and trust on what? Mercies. The mercies of the Nephites. The mercies of God. Uh, I, I, was, I was hearing something interesting uh, this week. I, I, I don't know if anybody knows who uh, 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 Dietrich Bonhoeffer was. Uh, Bonhoeffer was a, um, uh, a, a, a Christian writer, uh, apologist, uh, very much a pacifist, uh, and wrote extensively about it was the Christian responsibility to not be, not respond with hurt for hurt. It should be Okay, uh, and and was so he he, he comes into the uh, World War II trying to preach uh, nonviolence. Okay, anybody know how Diedrich Bonhoeffer died? By the Nazis. In what? He died by the Nazis. Why did he die by the Nazis? Right before the war, but on the war had almost not ended, and he died because he got arrested. For what? For what? Because this is so beautiful. For what? But he objected to them. He did, but he was... They thought he was part of the Hitler plot. He was part of the Hitler plot. Yes, that's the amazing part. Is that he was he was uh, put to death for being part of the plot to kill Hitler? He was a double agent. Okay, now the, the, the that's interesting in two parts. <laughs> One is that you got this guy preaching nonviolence, who's part of this cabal that's trying to kill another person. Now, at the same time, he's also smuggling Jews out of, out of Germany, right? So he's trying to save these guys. And that's why the incredible irony about ultimately for, that he would be part of this group that was trying to commit murder. I have no problem now with murder. <laughs> well, it was it's murder. It's not murder because Hitler was not innocent blood. No, it but, but it's still... It's but it, blood for it to be murder. 
No, it, I don't care whether it's innocent or not. If I'm going to commit murder on somebody, I'm committed to murder. That's homicide. That's not murder. Okay, but I'm still committing murder. <laughs> okay, and but he's saving that many people. That's right. If he takes out the source of it, he's saving way more than he can ever. That have absolutely. So and and you can so you can see what his battle was. That's why I think that's so it, it's so delicious. Now the the thing though is that in his writings about that, ultimately he didn't completely confessed to what he was doing but he actually explained and he said basically sometimes sometimes in your wrestle you're going to end up doing things like this and he says rather than try and justify that I'm part of this I'm going to rely on the mercy of God I'm not going to try and justify it I'm simply going to rely on the mercy of God and put it in His hands. And I have a belief in a God who, is, who will balance all of that and, and I'm going to trust in God's judgment on this. Wow. <laughs> Ultimately for all of us, all of the goof-ups and stupids and things that we do, the times when we do strike out in vengeance and those kind of things, whether it's right or wrong, we're having to repent. But we're also having to try and heal because there's one last piece to this. Um, let me uh, read something here. Go here. Uh, okay. I like this quote because the one thing that we have not yet addressed is the fact that one of the reasons why we do an eye for an eye is because we're hurting. We were hurt. Somebody punched us in the face. Uh, we, we have received a hurt. And, and Matthew Potts is a, uh, is a professor at, at Harvard, but he's also a pastor. He's a Catholic priest uh, that ministers in a, a church in, at Harvard. And he, says, and he talks about successful mourning means learning how to live with loss. I think that's what forgiveness asks us to do. When grave harm has been done, there's no getting it back. Punishment for self or others doesn't bring it back. So sometimes, again, we hope if somebody strikes out at us, that we're going to strike out at them and we'll feel better. And it doesn't work. But we're still hurting. We still have wounds. We still have trauma that we've been through. And, and ultimately, we're saying, well, then what happens is that uh, ultimately you have to be able to grieve. And grieving means we're going to be we're inflicted with a loss or a hurt or a trauma that that is going to have what effect on us? It changes us, and we don't like being changed. We don't like being changed. But anything that we're going to experience that causes us to grieve, someone plucked out our eye. No matter what happens, we are now missing an eye, or we go through the trauma of losing an eye. And so if we're not going to seek vengeance, and the Savior's saying, instead of seeking vengeance, I need you to love your enemies. Well, in order to love your enemies, what do you need to be able to do? You've got to, and in order to forgive, forgiveness... And this is kind of my mantra, I guess. Forgiveness is the last stage of grief. 
Forgiveness is the last stage of grief. So if I'm going to love, I have to forgive. And if I'm going to forgive, I have to grieve a loss. I have to learn how to move forward in my life with a, with a loss that has changed me somehow. And ha learning to live with the loss, I think, is the challenge. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've come to realize over the years is, you know, the Lord says the vengeance is His. Yeah. And for us to improve ourselves, to become like Him, we have to, like you said, overcome the anger and the upset yeah. to, to the love, that we love them. But then you look at what some of the punishment that God gives out mm -hmm. and it makes you feel sorry for them yeah. for what the Lord is going to do to them for what they have done to you or to others. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the, the beauty that exists in Moses 7 when, when the Savior and Enoch are looking at the flood and the flood's about to happen and, and Enoch is still working on this scale he's going, yeah, they're going to get him theirs and he looks over at the Savior and what's the Savior doing? Weeping why are you weeping? I mean, they were bad they should be getting their they did bad stuff down there we know that they're starving the poor they did a bunch of, you know, they did bad stuff I know, but sometimes I'm sure the Savior can see in their heart. And even bad people, they usually have some good yeah. about them, sure. at least in some point in their life. I think of like the story you gave with Hitler, and then I think the New Testament scripture, those hurt by little ones, it would be better for most of them to hang around their neck. You ever had to discipline one of your kids and feel sad about it while you're doing it? <laughs> you know they're hurting, but it's not. That's one of the reasons why one of those keys to parental parenting, parental parenting, to parenting. Is there any other parental parent? Parenting <laughs> is that you don't punish while you're angry, because <laughs> now you'll do it out of a sense of vengeance, or out of you'll overdo it. If we do it calmly, we're going to supply a consequence, but we're going to kind of feel bad that they're hurting for their correction. We don't want them to have to do this. And, and then we say the, the thing that is sort of true, but they never believe. Well, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm the one that lost my, my iPhone for a week. <laughs> it's not hurting you. You're doing just fine. You still have your phone. I don't have my phone. This ain't hurting So I, I think um, one, of the, one of the things I think that, uh, you know, we saw that other verse, you know, um, about, you know, be therefore perfect. Yeah. Father in heaven is perfect. And you did say, you know, you said, well, this is the thing. For me, that's, um, like, I think that there's another thing here, another kind of, like, overarching message within what, you know, these texts that you're reading here. And that's it, way more concerning to me, like, you know, <laughs> more, you know, several orders of magnitude more, more difficult for me to deal with. And that is that... Um, this concept of like, how does our heavenly Father bless us? Like, what blessings? What blessings? Because there's so much. Um, I, I think that we, as human beings, right? I think that we tend to have this like really myopic view of like, um, 
it's really easy to see. Well, if you know, I you know, why does this why does this person that I hate or that has done these other things or that whatever, why does he get these blessings? Right? Why is this person rich while I'm not? Why you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you get into this. He got away with it. Yeah. I think when I you know when I went on my I went on my mission to Mexico City and um, you know I learned really quickly that the world was not a fair place, right? <laughs> And, um, and it should be, dang it. And it should be, right? <laughs> and I, I think that, uh, that when we're having this conversation, right, like about all these sorrows, right, like about like, you know, how, uh-huh. how do we grieve uh-huh. for sins and how do we grieve to get past, you know, to resolve our, our, our problems. We're talking about like Hitler. Well, is it, was it a homicide or a murder or whatever, you know, and then, you, you know, and you're comparing all these, you know, these different positions. The work, you know, I don't know if Hitler had children or brothers or whatever, but I, you know, I would assume that they didn't want him to die. You know, so you have people praying to the Lord that but to, to bless die. Hitler, and obviously, you know, he has to get annihilated because he's Hitler. But you can't. Um, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is is that that has caused I, what I want to you know that for me that causes me a lot of grief like and a lot of difficult to de- difficulty to deal with is how does the have our heavenly father how does he dole out these blessings and then trying to put some kind of construct around like the way that that happens i've just thrown it at this point i've just thrown my hands up in the air and said you know what i don't have i don't know the answer to that and i'm and i'm not gonna you know not in a position to ever try to justify um any you know, logic behind why right. blessing received is you know is received or what's not, and that includes you know for things for myself, like things that I would perceive that are a huge blessing for myself. This is a this is a this is a conflict, especially for me when it's we're talking about like material possessions or something like, you know, why you know why do I have a good job, you know, and others don't. I I have a really hard time, a really really hard time. Or, or, or why is your health because of the Lord? I think in a spiritual context, you know, saying I've been blessed maybe with certain gifts or something, that's a little bit easier for me. But when you start extrapolating and talking about these other things, I just like this whole lesson to me is like a master class in. How complex and complicated. But we talk about like the world of punishments, and we talk about the world of blessings. Oh yeah. And and I don't I don't pretend to understand any of it. And like, and 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 you're going to drop this on me in the last three minutes of sorry. a class. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I think that's I think that's beautiful because I think that if if scripture is going to be compelling, it should bring up those. Questions. The, the, if we simply read the scriptures devotionally, and every word is blesses us, and we never really, and we learn all the gospel doctrine answers, and we never push beyond that, we've never done what the scriptures were intended to do, which is ask these really hard questions and and struggle with them to try and understand how that works. No, I think that's I think that's terrific because it, it should be a it should be interlaced with I've got a question about this because the scriptures so often conflict with one another until yeah. we figure out how to answer that. Um, in fact, on my way over here, I was just listening to a biblical scholar. Uh, she is the head of a department in in uh, England, and she's a magnificent biblical scholar, and she's atheist. <laughs> She's atheist because she hasn't been able to resolve 
that God keeps doing these things and is this just in the scriptures God did do this is it in the scriptures and somebody wrote it into the scriptures uh, is it by history what's going on here and she's still struggling with that very question uh, and then how do we live, go walk out of here and live our life boy I think it's just tough Jim you had a question yeah um, in the general conference second time back not the latest mm-hmm. one but the one before that it has a lot of information about. There was a, a long talk by a sister. I can't remember her name. It's about forgiveness. And it has given me a lot of relief in my life. It says that, she said that you don't have to go to the person yeah. to ask forgiveness. You can give forgiveness to a person without going to them. And, what's, and what was even, uh, most of all, i got to think about this, just a second. You don't have to associate with them yeah. after you've forgiven them. Right. Which sometimes we've done. Forgiveness means I'm going to reestablish a relationship or it's going to be exactly the same that it was. Uh, and we're having to say, there are two agents here and my job is to do the forgiving Part. By the way, my job is to do the grieving first. I got to grieve, and then I'll I'll forgive. And then once I get there, they they may still be toxic, or it may not be in our best interest to still be in a relationship. But I've done my part, and I should have some measure of peace. But only after I've grieved. I did get hurt. They did hurt me, and I've got to recognize that forgiveness isn't going to remove all that hurt. It just means as part of my healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a very good friend in Illinois. Um, we were very close. I live in Texas. She still lives in Illinois. Her first marriage, unfortunately, turned out to be a disaster. And a lot of things were done to her. And um, she was, I, went, my, I was up visiting her after he had passed away. And we were talking, I was staying with her, and she was telling me how she was still complaining at one point to her counselor about what things he had done. Mm. And finally he says, Sue, what has Mike done to you lately? (laughs) 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 And she said... Well, I've I've been reliving it daily, yeah. Yeah. And it was such a wake-up call. That's interesting. (laughs) I guess he got tired of hearing it, too. I don't know. It happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but but, but in some in some sense though, she wakes up this morning. It ha- let's say it happened twenty years ago. She wakes up this morning. She's remembering it, mm-hmm. and her brain is reacting to it as if it's happening currently. Right. It just, it, that memory act still activates the amygdala, so she's still getting adrenaline and she's still getting anger. But you're right; he hasn't hurt her forever. Yeah. So I think too many people misunderstand when they're told that they need to forgive and they need to love people that hurt them, they misunderstand to think that they have some responsibility to embrace that individual yeah. or to sit yes. with that individual. And that is exactly what they have the responsibility to avoid. They yeah. have a stewardship to protect themselves from individuals that they anticipate will be toxic. And if they're occasionally wrong and the person wouldn't have been toxic, that's better for them to have 
protected themselves yeah. than it is for them to always embrace everybody that they don't know for sure is going to hurt them this time. Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, and I'll finish with this, not only is it our responsibility to take care of ourselves, but I think it's also we have some onus on us to not keep putting ourselves in a position where they keep doing bad stuff. You know, I'm not doing anybody... If, I, if I'm enabling somebody to be an alcoholic, I'm not doing them any favors if I continue to buy their alcohol because then they will keep doing stupid things as well. So my responsibility is to maintain a healthy relationship and that may mean what I don't do, not just what I, I am doing. So anyway, yeah. Just a, as a, a blessing of forgiveness, I've, I've always wondered about that too. Is why why do I forgive? Especially if I've been really hurt. The people that have forgiven murderers who have taken their lessons, Yeah. what I hear from them is it gives them peace. Yeah. It gives them the completion, if nothing else. But the critical thing was the peace. Yeah. I, I don't have to live with vengeance. I, 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 I would alter that just a little bit. Okay, because if if they have if they like killed your child, at the end of the day, I don't know that you're ever really at peace because you you're all right with them being killed or something. You've gone through a painful, traumatic kind of thing. I think the peace comes though as like he talks about. We learn how to live with loss. We we life is now different. I'm going to incorporate my experience into this. I'm going to, I'll, I'll always wish that they were here. There's always a bit of regret that I don't get to spend time with them. But I think the peace comes that says, this is now the life going forward. Uh, and I have a measure of peace that I can be okay. And that I'm going to get some comfort out of the idea that God's in charge. And So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, it's like the, um, punishment. I've been reading over and over. Punishment for self and others. If you don't learn how to successfully mourn whatever it is, you become as toxic as the person you think has done things to you. You'll hurt those around you, you'll hurt yourself. And I wonder about suicide comes from some of this that simply can't cope with the change that's coming in their life. That's right. No, no, and and I think, but I think that's the that's part of it is recognizing again. Something's happened. It wasn't our choice. Our life's been changed. And now how do I begin to live with loss? And what do I replace it with? And how do I begin to move forward? I think that's, that's a challenge. And that's what grieving is. Grieving is taking the time to change, to transform to a, a, new, a new thing. So, good, good class, guys. Good, good stuff. Like I say, if the... Uh, it's in here. If you just kind of take a look and see these guys as, as uh, going through real experiences, then then these are the kind of things we should be wrestling with. So, um, bearing my testimony that uh, the Lord intends us to be able to heal, but also be able to grow through our losses and not be held hostage uh, to somebody else's choices, but to love them instead and pray that they, they will finally be able to grow and heal themselves. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get a closing prayer? Sister Milt, could you? Oh, me? Yeah. <laughs> you meant Milt. <laughs> no, Sister Milt. S- Sister Milt. Sister. 
And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.